It's almost the weekend. Sound the alarms, ring the bells, <laughs> light the, what are they called? The <laughs> pyres of the Gondor. Pyres. <laughs> yeah. The beacon's been lit. Yep. It's time once again for it almost being the weekend. Joe will answer the call. Mm. Who will answer the call? <laughs> How are you, dude? I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing real good, actually. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm keeping on, keeping on. How's your, how's your week been? Have you been playing any goodies? Mmm. Um, week's been pretty good, pretty chill. I, um, I went and just like deleted everything from my phone, like all the apps and everything. Right. Um, so it's just like a phone now. <laughs> um, you, you've done like a, a social media detox. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I still have everything on my computer, but I have to be on my computer to use it. So oh, like, I see. I can't just like sit on the couch and look at Twitter endlessly. I have to actually get up and be at my mm. desk. And then there's like, if I'm at my desk, it's like, I should be doing something either productive or social. And so like, you know, I'm either on a call with friends or I'm playing a game or like, you know, doing work. Yeah, that's, um, that's a great idea, dude. Yeah. And so I've cut down and I, feel, I used to have this thing on my browser. This is the Joe update, by the way. This has nothing to do with anything else. Just <laughs> my life. Yeah, I used to I'm... have this thing on my browser where like I could limit the amount of time it allowed me on certain websites. So it would oh, be yeah. like 10 minutes allowed on Twitter a day. And then mm -hmm. it, would, it would stop working. Mm -hmm. um, and if it comes to it, I'll do that again. But I don't know if, if it'll come to it. Feeling, I'm already feeling way better and it's been like four days. Yeah, right. So, is this something you read about somewhere else, or did you just decide you know what no, you need? I just decided. I was like, I hate this for me right now. I'm right, ready to yeah. Be, I can't. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, cool. That sounds uh, yeah. like a very healthy change. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I don't. I don't want to go back. I don't know if I ever will go back. Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, it's been very good. And I've been playing um, a little bit of Valorant. Oh, and, yeah. And um, anything else? I don't think so. I haven't been playing a heap of video games. Um, yeah, just Valorant. Yeah, cool. Are you uh, staying at the top of that leaderboard or is is that nah, nah, once that in a lifetime? <laughs> <laughs> that was a fluke. Uh, I, it's really strange, dude. It's like when I play Valorant, I can like really clearly see my skill slip longer that i play it so like i'll get on oh. and have like an okay few games and then like as the hours wear on i get worse and worse right it's like playing pool at the pub yeah 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 like <laughs> no not very much beer is involved and i think it's just my attention span waning <laughs> <laughs> yeah right like, yeah that, that game requires so much focus at all times yeah okay okay i uh okay. i I don't really know it, to be honest, but you've described it as, like, some other company's Overwatch, so I can imagine it. Oh, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's Riot's answer to Counter-Strike. Oh, oh, sorry, yeah, yeah. There's, um, I feel like there's a lot of games of that ilk that mm. are medium popular, and yeah. they all just kind of blend together for me, but I think I do know the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Well, we played Counter-Strike Go for a little bit back in Castle Coburg. Mm, yeah. You remember? Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And, like, I remember, like, playing 1.6 in high school and stuff. Yeah. I, uh, I definitely have some time for Counter-Strike, but there's things have gotten a lot more colourful since those days. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah, Valorant is extremely colourful, and it's extremely noisy. Like, I go back and, like, look at clips, because I have, like, auto-clip software that I mentioned in the other episode, but I go, go back and look at clips, and it's, like, it's so... There's so much going on at all times. It's it's really right. just, like, ADHD the game. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Tickles, tickles a part of my brain, um, at least for a period of time until I start getting bad at it, and then I stop playing. Yeah, sick. Um, yeah, what about you, man? You've been playing any video games? I have. I've um, I've been playing Super Metroid. Oh! Um, I, I actually finished Super Metroid, and oh, I hated it. Not, oh! Not only did I personally despise just about everything it set out to do, but <laughs> I think it did a bad job of all the things it's lauded for. So, like... Wow, okay. I, 
and 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 you feel feel free to like ring the bell because I don't want to get too ranty five minutes into the podcast. But like, oh, screw um, this week's topic. We're talking about Metroid <laughs> and why it's bad. <laughs> okay, so like, I love Metroidvanias. I, I play mm. a lot of them, and I was just like, um, you know, we we played Super Metroid ages ago on my Wii U, um, and and we got stuck at the time and we didn't finish it. Um, but it, it is available on like the switch, uh, you know, into virtual. virtual access internet Console, thingy. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, I had that for a month and I was looking through the games and I was like, Oh, super Metroid is here. Like, you know, this is ground zero. I'm going to check it out. And yeah. like you plop that bad boy into Google and it's just endless 10, ten out of tens. I left my husband yeah, for yeah. this game. Where would humanity <laughs> be without Super Metroid and all this shit? So, like, yeah, let's yeah. let's just get the good out of the way first, right? Okay. So, like, the atmosphere and the presentation, it's pretty good. It's okay. um, it's heavily influenced by Alien and Aliens and, like, which is weird for Nintendo, but that HR Giger shit is everywhere. And the designs yeah. are really cool. Um, yeah. They're all, like alien gross kind of half metal half biological it's sick um all right so they're all the good things um <laughs> I, I i noticed that you didn't really talk much about the game when you were talking about the good things just visually <laughs> um, okay so like you know this is this is the metroid of metroidvania and a big part of metroidvania is like exploration level design right Mm-hmm. And it's terrible. It's terrible in this game. I'm not sure I've played a game with level design this bad before. And, like, granted, right. I, I play mostly good games, but I guess expectations were high because, like I said, it's the Metroid in Metroidvania. And yeah, like, it gave it the name. Exactly. And a certain type of level design is, is a key feature. So, like, the first half of the game, you, you spend trying out different types of weapons on different walls in every room to try and find a way forward. So, like, okay, so, so sometimes the blocks have cracks in them, right? And, like, it's obvious that you need to blow them up with something, and mm. sometimes they don't. And, like, in the second half, you get this tool that allows you to see through walls. So it's, uh-huh. like, a, a kind of X-ray vision that you that you turn on and you can point in, like, a cone and and see walls that you oh, need yeah. to yeah, yeah yeah and so like it's incredibly slow to use and you need to use it in just about every room if you're going to find your way through without a guide and there are some walls that can be exploded or just straight up walked through that this tool doesn't work on anyway so there's like no consistency at, at all and it just feels like exploration was designed for school kids who have nothing better to do than try every weapon type on like yeah. every pixel of every wall in every room and it's yeah. just like really really dumb um and so you finish exploring right you've 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 gone through most of the game you've got all your shortcuts then there's like the aching pain of having to navigate your way back through certain areas so like the map is a bunch of squares that don't specify where the doors are so it's hard Uh to tell if you're going in the right direction all the rooms are right next to each other on the map but they might not link up bro like if you thought control had bad navigation (laughs) fucking this makes control look like stealing babies from a candy shop you know what i'm saying like it's just absolutely (laughs) fucked um all right uh, I'm running out of steam, but like... No, keep going, baby. I love it. <laughs> like, the combat is unsatisfying. All the bosses are the same. It's just like this slugfest where you trade hits until the boss is dead. Like, yeah. I, I beat every boss on the first try. There was zero strategy required. The music is really cool, especially when you get to a new area, but it ends up, like, grating on you because you're just lost as fuck all the time and it just loops mm. over and over. I needed, like... I needed to use a guide at least six or seven times to find wow. my way. And, yeah. like, I don't think I've used a guide six or seven times in my entire life, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. it's just not necessary a lot of the time. And, like, every time it was just a wall I didn't try exploding or, like, it, you know, was a wall that I actually scanned but didn't show up as explodable. So, right. like, oh, my God. It, it took me... I recorded the time here. Hold on. It took me 6 hours and 39 minutes 
to finish and it felt like a 20 hour game like like if anyone can beat this game without a guide like i salute you out there people you need to be working on humanity's bigger problems like climate change and space travel yeah yeah, true geniuses holy shit like you know bro we're talking three out of ten give me the news i'm done drop the mic get me out of (laughs) here (laughs) um so yeah i i played metroid dread fairly recently on the switch oh yeah um, yeah that was another fairly highly celebrated video game um Mm -hmm. and people were like yeah the animation's beautiful and like it's got cutscenes, and the the sense of dread that you get in the game like being chased down by this alien is really like powerful and cool and stays fresh the whole time mm-hmm. and i felt the opposite to all of those things i felt like the animation was not very good especially in the cutscenes. was extremely janky um right i felt like the exploration was also very bad like this game goes out of its way to like show how little you have at all times so it's just like <laughs> there's three on, on on the screen at any even point when you, if you're in like a puzzle solving area there'll be like three different blocks and they're just blocks and they're just different colors and they have different letters on them it's not like this vine that's like a certain you know it's got like pustules on it and you have to have like the flamethrower to destroy it no it's like a green block with the letter t on it right. that's how you get through that wall and then it'll be like oh i got through the wall i got the thing that i needed and then there's like another wall with the letter J on it and it's blue. It's like, this is so bereft of creativity. Like you could have done anything in this universe. And all you did was put letters on blocks and block my progress. Bro, trust me. Forever. If, if you had played Super Metroid, you would be loving those colored blocks with letters on them. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. that's how bad the Super Metroid version is. Like that that total kind of gaping chasm of creativity that doesn't exist for you like i was begging for it i was just like fuck give me at least something to go on because there's just like zero intuitiveness oh my god okay so (laughs) let's move on i i can't uh, i don't know why people are like yeah put put metroid do metroid and uh, apparently the metroidvania name is actually lifted from like it should have been it should have been given to like uh, what was it, Castlevania or something like that? Oh, like Castlevania right. did did the format first. I, I, I might be wrong. Or it might be another game that did the format first. But right, what, that format what... of like your progress is blocked by X item. You have to progress and then return back to that area to be able to, you know. Yeah, like yeah. Well, I've heard the 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 big one was Super Castlevania, which is like right. Castlevania Four, and I've got that I've got that sitting on my Switch. So I think I might just take a bit of a breather from Super Metroid just in case yeah. Super Castlevania is as bad. Um, but I do I do want to jump in and give that a go. And, like, th- it's it's rare for me to hate finished games these days, right? Like, I just don't do it. But, like, mm. this, this game was so iconic. And, like, I looked up the average playing time and it was, like, seven hours. And I was like, all right, I can... I can do that. It was totally like going to work, but um, I just I just had to know, you know, I just had to see for myself what what all the fuss was about, and man, it was uh, it was a huge letdown. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I, I wish it was not la- like that for you. It sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, it's a part of video game history, and and it was like nineteen ninety four. I think, yeah. which is like, you know, the same year Doom came out. Um, yeah. And let me that tell game. you, if if I had got Super Metroid when my buddy had got Doom, I would yeah. be sad. Dude, people are still talking about Doom today. Like, it's... I mean, we're talking about Doom in our podcast about <laughs> video games. Like I, I think it's way more um, of an achievement and, like, a, a staple in the video game industry than um, Metroid had any right being by yeah. the sounds of it. Agreed. Hard agree. <clears throat> so I have some news for you. All right. A few a few chicken crumbs, some of those spices, I've... those herbs. Get them in me. That's right. Yeah, I've cobbled it together last minute. Um, because when you said news, I was like, oh, God damn it, that's right. i got to have the three-piece feed. <laughs> I'd forgotten. In my haste of researching the topic this week, I have forgotten about the news. But there is news just off the top of the head. So first of all, we have Annapurna's latest release has come out today called Stray. It's a game where you play a cat in a post-apocalyptic world and it's reviewing relatively well. Oh, cool. Um, I think the general 
consensus based on what I know about the game is that it's probably going to be too short for what people are paying for it, which I think is like a semi-premium, like a $40, $50 price point. Right. Um, uh, and uh, people are going to be like, oh, this game's only three hours long. What's What gives? Yeah, okay. That's that's kind that's of my, what you and I have I been asking for. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm kind of keen to check it out. And, I, and that's just off the top of my head. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I'd have to jump on Steam and see what the actual price point is. Let me just do that right now. Live Sorry. news breaking. Yeah. It's, it's $37. $37.75. At 10% off. Right, okay. Um, so... Go ahead and snatch that one up. Oh, actually, it doesn't look like it's coming until tomorrow. It's just review embargoes lifted. Okay, so that comes out tomorrow. Cool. Oh, sweet. There you go. By the time people listen to this episode, it'll be out. Hell yeah. Um, the next piece of news is uh, Warframe, a game that had has had my heart and soul and wallet for some <laughs> periods of time, on and off throughout my life, uh, has had a, uh, had a new update, or it's going to have a new update soon. Um and they had a huge conference for, called TennoCon the other day. Oh, yeah. Um, and they announced a bunch of stuff. Basically, the CEO, or not the CEO, the creative lead is stepping down to go and focus on a new project called Soul Frame. Oh. Um, so it's like a, a new next-gen Warframe-style game, but instead of being Space Ninjas, it's more. it looks more medieval and slow-paced. Okay. All right. Um, They've... Yep jumped into the uh, other side of the spectrum there yes and the ex um community lead uh rebecca ford who's an amazing human and um 40 under 40 30 under 30 sorry <laughs> award winner uh is taking up the mantle as the new creative lead for warframe which i think most people are pretty happy about sick you love to hear it <clears throat> final piece of news in, in this week's three-piece feed is unity uh the engine is having some controversial stuff happen with it so the uh game engine unity their ceo stepped down and was replaced by x um ea ceo oh boy if i can remember his name that's all right faceless white yeah faceless guy yeah Um, and in, in the short period of time that uh, he has been around, Unity has acquired a company called Iron Source, and um, they are a tech company that is extremely well known for um, its malware implementation in certain... So if you've ever like been to a shady website and it's asked you to download something and you click on a link and it actually downloads like a the wrong file, mm-hmm. you know, like it downloads some EXE that's like a, I suppose you're on a Mac, so you don't really know, but this is a common experience. <laughs> I'm, I'm protected from the uh, wider world, from... but yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's basically like a, a it, it gives you the wrong, the wrong file and it looks like the real file and you install it and it puts a bunch of bookmarks on your browser and, and slows your whole machine down to a crawl. Right. Okay. Um, that, this company is renowned for doing stuff like that. Okay, well, that's very shitty. Yes. The CEO also mentioned that people who are making games who don't think about monetization are fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if if he's speaking among CEOs, that's uh, pretty good business advice because, yeah. you know, like getting those 75-cent costumes into the hand of kiddies with mum's credit card like that is absolutely how you make money, um, yeah. But like, it's still pretty sickening for people that actually care about making video games and not so much about like becoming a millionaire as quick as humanly possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, he has since apologized and said that he vows to do better. Quote unquote. Um, oh fuck we'll off! Yeah. Go 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 back to that that uh indie double a triple a podcast we did where we rip into people like that that just fucking are assholes to everyone and then they just send a short company-wide email and they think all yeah, is forgiven yeah, all is forgiven yeah yeah his name is uh john ricciatello fuck you mr ricciatello yeah i'm probably slaughtering his last name but honestly he probably doesn't deserve it um so uh... <laughs> That's the end of the three-piece fees. Do you have any bag chips? Uh, this uh, oh, yeah, I got a bag chip. Um, oh, hell yeah. So it's uh, fresh today out of the deep fryer. Um, so it's not a stale bag chip. We're talking not, fresh. Yeah, I, know, I don't know why the bag chips are coming out of the deep fryer, but whatever. Um, into the Breach, 
seminal mm. tactics game, the best tactics game money can buy. If you if you were annoyed by the percentages in Fire Emblem where you miss a 98% chance to hit, or you're playing XCOM 2 and an enemy hits you with a 4% chance to hit, worry no more. It, the best tactics game can be yours for I don't know how much it costs. Anyway, Into the Breach comes out, uh, has a brand new update um, that will be live by the time you're listening to this, and it's free. And it adds a bunch of new missions and levels and enemies and squads and things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just the best tactics game out there. And there are no percentages. It's a hundred percent strategy. There's no yep. 50% chance to hit that. It's uh, you choose to hit it or you choose to do something else. Um, Sounds like a 100% guaranteed hit of a game. Anyway, that's my only bag chip. That's all I got. Oh, hell yeah. So you're going to pick that up? You're going to go back in on Enter the Breach? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I um, I played that game in like a fervor uh, yep. a couple of years back. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to pick it up again, see what the update's all about and just just enjoy some of that smooth, precision-designed gameplay. Oh, yeah. Excellent, excellent stuff. Um, speaking of... Um... <laughs> 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 nowhere to go oh, nowhere no. to go uh, um speaking of things coming out online uh, oh updates my God. this <laughs> week we're talking <laughs> my arm hurts from stretching that oh arm. my god um we're talking about online marketplaces this week hell yeah we are capitalism so, let's go capital yeah ever since the um oh, what was my quote I, even i am forgetting my own quotes at this point what was it? <laughs> no um, who cares just misquote it bro that's the that's the flavor of the pod um um, um pontificate press x to pontificate oh um, yeah this is this is my press x to pontificate moment um, oh hell yeah I'm, i don't i'm mashing I x you yeah yeah also please pontificate with me <laughs> um there I have actually done too much research this week. I got sort of midway through writing the stuff down and I was like, this is too much for one episode. Um, <laughs> oh, however, I don't want to split it up into separate episodes. I'd rather just sort of fly through it and pick apart parts that we think are interesting. How does I, that sound? Yeah, just look bludgeon me over the head with unyielding data. Okay, cool. Um, before I jump into that, is there any stuff that you wanted to just sort of like stuff at the tippy top of your wet little game of mouth that you wanted to go over <laughs> with me uh, about online stores and marketplaces? Like any like neat little things that you've noticed or like just um, you know, general discussion? Yeah, look, I don't, I don't have too much to say about online marketplaces. I think I have a very small idea of what they're really about because I don't do any gaming on a computer. And I feel yep. like there are a lot of marketplaces available on a computer that has features and all kinds of shit like Steam cards. And I just, yep. I don't even know what that means. But the only uh, piece of trivia, I guess, uh, that I have about online marketplaces that comes around full circle to some of my other interests is um, the, the Wii Store music, um, which oh, yeah. I, yeah. I, I think is like... I, I don't know. It feels like the only marketplace that had music. I, I don't know. Anyway, fa- famously a bop. Um, yes. It's incredible like, song. It's like a white whale when it comes to vinyl collectors. So there was a vinyl release for the Wii Store music. And oh it, my God. And it goes for like upwards of 300 USD. Like oh my God. Yeah. Like it's it's hot shit to get that get that bop happening from your uh, your vinyl setup from your vinyl player oh um, that would slap so hard dude like breaking <laughs> out the vinyl Wii sh- Nintendo shopping channel <laughs> vinyl yeah Are you kidding me yeah. yeah um so i i just thought you should know that but that's all i got <laughs> that's great yeah that's really cool so um yeah I, I agree as well like that that song there, there's a famous no not a famous but every year it comes around um the nirvana the show the band did a um a skit where one of them is like chilling in um i never watched the show so i just refer to them as one of them one of mm-hmm. the dudes is chilling in the lounge room in his pjs and he's like is this so reminiscent of like <laughs> castle Coburg days but he's like dude new um Nintendo Wii Shopping Channel games came out today and it, like his friend runs in and they're listening to the music and they're like, oh man, this is actually quite a bop. And then 
one of them's like, oh, what if we did a rap to this? And then the other one already has made up a rap with all of the, like, all of the titles of the games on the shopping channel as words <laughs> to the rap. And uh, proceeds oh to... Oh, my God. Proceeds to rap the whole song in front of him. It's fantastic. Oh, that's sick. I'll send it to you after this. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's good stuff. Okay, so... You ready to go on a little history journey once again with uh, me? Yeah, no, I'm very excited for this. Okay. All right, here we go. So, <laughs> let's start with Steam. Um, All right. Because Steam is probably the one that's the most covered and most um, still kind of around, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. th th there's very little in terms of, like, documentaries or information or even videos as to what some of the other shopping channels like, you know, Xbox Live Marketplace on the original Xbox looked like, sounded right. like, felt like, the okay. titles that were on there and the release schedule. Mm -hmm. um, same with uh, the PlayStation original store and same with the Wii. It's a, a lot of information is there. It'll sort of give you, you know, overall broad stroke stuff. But there's very little mm. sort of like history, like who brought it about, what was it in response to, um, in, as, as opposed to Steam, which actually has quite a lot of information out there as to where it all started and how it got kicked off. So yeah, let's start cool. with Steam. All right, sweet. So, um, Quake. We're going to start with Quake. Oh, Came my out. God. I love that it always goes back to Quake and Doom. Like, the topics, yeah, they just, like, it It. It was that primordial kind of river. And, yes. like, it was owned by Quake and Doom and other things just crawled out onto the banks. Totally, dude. It, it, it is so indicative and explanative of uh, the current state of video games when you look at what type of games were getting made back in that time mm. and, like, the sorts of stuff that we see now as just, like, prolific, you know? Like, Call of Duty being the size of the franchise that it is, it's kind of... It, it just owes itself to, you know, John Carmack and uh, Mr. Romero about, you know, doing the, the the great work that they did back in the day. Anyway. Totally. So, yeah, Quake totally. came out and supported online multiplayer. Um, this was great as like a, you know, a thing that the game could do. It was like way ahead of its time, but you actually needed yeah. your friend's IP address to be able to play it with your friend or with anyone. So you'd go onto forums and find people's IP addresses and they'd put them there. Um, you could actually just trade your IP address with friends, you know, via, via a little slip of paper in the mail, if you will. Oh my God. <laughs> and so playing online was like not ideal. Yeah. Um, shortly after the, there was like a modding community that started to form up around Quake. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so this, this guy named Mark Surface in 1996 made a website called Planet Quake. And this was designed to host all of these mods and mm. a place for people to share their, their Quake mods. Cool. Um, this is, this is in, important because, uh, a website called Quake Spy was later developed by Mark and three other devs. It sort of gave him the, you know, the revenue and the impetus to be able to kick off Quake Spy. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was a, a service that allowed people to run Quake servers and have, have them browsable in, on, through the website in real time. Mm -hmm. So you okay. could see what people were playing Quake and when and how big the servers were or how many people were in the games and all that sort of stuff. Really sort yeah. of sta staple stuff by today's standards. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was later licensed out as a, t a service called GameSpy, um, which has a fairly recognizable logo. I'm sure if you saw it, you'd be like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, GameSpy rings a bell. Yeah. Um, around the same time, Battle.net was also uh, came out, and that was sort of Blizzard's way of having their own ecosystem of games and, and having them all you know playable and multiplayer on the same service. So Battle.net yep. kicked off around there. Yep. And then Valve steps in. Um, they've already made Counter-Strike and Half-Life 1. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember Counter-Strike being huge as well. Like, it was kind of the quake for high schoolers. Like, everyone mm. had it on their computer. And kind of like you were describing that, that quake website where you could browse servers. Like, I clearly remember being able to do that with Counter-Strike where you were just like you know be scrolling through servers and you'd see how what like game type it was and how many yeah. people were populating the match yeah totally yeah so that that was all within i'm, I'm not sure at, at the time I, I don't have exact facts on this but i'm pretty sure at the time that was all just like within uh counter-strike so there was no you know launcher for counter-strike it was just right. a game and it had a list of servers yeah somewhere outside of it. yep um and so um 
at the time people were doing a lot of pirating of Counter-Strike and Half-Life and, you know, the other Valve games, if there were any around the time. Um, and the high-speed internet was also becoming a pretty common thing. So they sort of wanted an answer to be able to say, hey, don't don't pirate our games and, and don't play them through this, you know, bootleg services. You can actually just use something that we made. Mm, yeah, um, okay. So they, they came up with the idea of like an online market, like a, a shopping store, I guess. Mm-hmm. That would that would also act as a way that you could you know link up with your friends, and uh, invite them to games. And so they shopped the idea around uh, to a bunch of tech giants at the time, like Yahoo and Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were told that it's a good idea, but it's sort of like a million years off in the future. And and sorry, we can't help you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at the time that idea was like you know. It's like the metaverse, <laughs> you know, they're like, <laughs> this is cool, but uh, no. Yeah, uh, all right. Yeah. So then uh, in 2002, Valve started devving their own thing. They basically said, fuck it, we're not going to go with, you know, Microsoft. They can't help us. Yahoo's going to go under in 10 years anyway. Let's start, let's start our own thing. And they called it Grid and Gazelle. Right. It's And this might have been the very beginning, right, of Valve kind of finding autonomy and and yes. deciding to kind of back themselves totally yeah you're 100 percent right this was like at the time this was sort of like their their first little stippy steps into the you know the world of being a you know what they became today which is yeah. just like they don't even really make games they're more just like we provide the service they just print um, money now yeah we just print money <laughs> uh, and yeah if you you start to run the numbers as well it gets, gets pretty crazy but anyway um uh in 2002 yeah they started making their own thing called grid and gazelle it was all that's the code name and then in march so not very much later in the year so only a few months later they un- unveiled steam and um sort of did a beta release and okay. uh 30 30,000 players jumped on no shit and do you know what year that was that they unveiled steam as a beta 2002 2002 yeah okay I, I was just thinking like as a 12 year old i don't think i was on board because i feel like no. I, re- I remember seeing steam early days but it definitely wasn't that early yeah yeah and at the, at the time like in the thing that i was watching about this it was very much just like here's the four games that we have as as um as valve and here's like your friends list i think that was pretty much it something like that yeah okay yeah super small yeah um and at the time, the draw card for jumping on with Steam was a game. There was a mod from Half-Life 2 called Day of Defeat. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah, never, it's just like a shooty game. Never even heard of it. Cool. Yeah. Um, so it, it went on to become pretty popular, and a bunch of other devs started paying attention. And Gabe Newell at the time said, okay, you know, you can, we'll host and distribute your, your, your games for a licensing fee of $995. So if you want to put your game on our service, you know, pay us nearly a thousand dollars and we'll just do it for you. Wow. So a one-off payment, not like an ongoing percentage of mm. like sales or anything. Yeah. It was just for hosting and distribution. So I, I don't know if there's probably, there might be more information on this out there, but just based on what I've learned through this thing, it's like, yeah, it's just a one-off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they were they were like in the Uber days. You know how Uber like lost a bunch of money in the first two years of its operation. Totally. Just to, like, yeah, yeah. Just just, just to get the uh, the snowball rolling down the hill. Totally. Yeah. So they had a bunch of games that started showing up on Steam um, as a result. Um. Uh, so from there, um, there was a service called um, World Opponent Network. <laughs> that came out in, in 2004 that, I that was definitely that named so by a programmer yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh my god it had a, it was similar to steam it had a, a whole slew of games on it do you remember sierra games yeah yeah see i mean i can remember the logo really clearly did they do yes. like point and click adventures or some shit um i'm not too sure i, I don't remember that yeah, I'm not sure. But in, in any case, I... they um, they shut down and uh, a bunch of their games were uh, ported over to Steam. Okay. So they, they had like a semi-popular, you know, following Sierra and this sort of opponent network thing just sort of got ported. So that, that also helped along. Yeah, okay. All right. Steam. So like, yeah, right. So this is literally like 
you know, steam creating the infrastructure and then slowly yeah. more and more things just get added. Totally. Yeah. Sick. Um, and then um, there was a, a change that happened and Valve required you to have to launch Half-Life 2 through Steam to be able to play it. So you couldn't just like get the disc and then and then play it. You had oh, to actually... The beginning of 2. the end. <laughs> the beginning for, of the... Yeah, exactly. For, for lack yeah. of convenience. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, this was also... This, this actually was kind of like a, a little bit of a, a struggle because a, a bunch of people didn't really know how to do this you know so i think apart from right. it being like a slightly technical challenge it was also just like you know people didn't really understand or like maybe there was also some like uh glitches or whatever that happened with people trying to download steam and get it installed and run the game it's just you know instead of just put the game in biggity bam boop playing the game you got it you now have to do this extra step yeah yeah and so you you would have thought that might have been a tricky thing or a bit of a um struggle point for them but turned out it didn't really matter half-life 2 did freaking amazing yeah um, yeah yeah sold extremely well yeah for the day for the day um I'm, so I'm, then, I'm sure it probably still does sell well that game is like just about timeless yeah yeah um in 2005 the first two non-valve games released on steam like actually had their release day happen on steam oh okay um, so that was fairly monumentous, and um, the from there as well, Steam helped promo these games by using discounts, which they continue to do this day. They're just yeah. like, you know, here's twenty percent off on the day of release, off you go, and it, it just really helps helps them to do stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in two thousand and eight, they added an API called Steamworks, and this enabled devs to add Steam achievements, online matchmaking, and other core aspects of you know development to their games through just using the API of Steamworks. Yeah. So if you wanted to add achievements, you could. If you wanted to have like you know, sort of plug and play online matchmaking through Steam, you could. Um, yeah, it was just a pretty pretty big thing, pretty big deal. Two thousand eight. Yeah, and that's like that's where I feel a lot of the spice comes from. You know, especially mm -hmm. because Steam has that kind of ecosystem based around your friends and what they're doing. Yeah. And like when your friends can see achievements or leaderboards, like it just makes so much more sense to have them there. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it doesn't feel as isolated as like PlayStation or, or Xbox does. Like I have no idea how many PlayStation trophies you have. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like I have yeah. no clue. Um, it's way less of a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I remember uh, like half or not half, um, Xbox 360 achievements being a thing. Like in high school, like we actually had gamer score kind of semi tied to <laughs> our rep. Did you, did you ever, ever have that? No. Well, that, that was a, that was a console generation that I missed uh, out on until you right. moved in. So right, right. Yeah, yeah, that, that is incredibly nerdy. Just it's so you so know. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, my small group of mates were like, we would, there was a time when our, our gamer scores were fairly close together and then it just sort of split away. But yeah, <laughs> the gamer score battle was real at one point. Hell yeah. Um, but yeah, tro yeah, I don't care about trophies. It's it's so strange that, that they feel like a bit vestigial, you know, like mm. we don't really need them anymore. Yeah, I think that's just getting old, dude. Like Maybe. I, Maybe. I, I used to, I mean... I, I think we've talked about trophies a little bit, but I used to really love trophies and like they enabled me to put down a game I really loved, you know, right. like if, if I like with Dark Souls or any of those FromSoft games, like otherwise I'll just play them over and over again forever. Right. And yep. like having a trophy list and getting it to a hundred percent was just like, oh, you know, logically yep. I was like, okay, I've done everything there is to do. I can put it yep. down like yep. it's okay. I, I'll That's come so back. Funny. Yeah. I'll come back when I really feel like it, but I've got a, I've got an excuse to put it down now. Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because you haven't done everything that there is to do in the game. You've done everything that the devs or the people who made the achievements said that that was everything that you could do. In the game. <laughs> you totally. Like there's, there's totally. Other stuff. Yeah. And, and that's a really good point because I mean, I've, I, I've only cared about achievements on PlayStation um, mm. and that you know, they were designed by those trophies were designed by Sony staff members, not mm. not by like FromSoft staff members. Right. And so like when 
the game is is made by a, a Sony studio. Like there's a bit more cohesion between like the things you're doing and the things that are achievements. Yep. Um, but in in some games, like it's just all over the place, and you're just yep. like, oh, you know, this is either like the staff members at Sony running out of ideas and they're only 10 trophies in and they need to come up with like 30 more. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting dichotomy there. But anyway, sorry, we've gone off the rails no, and I'm sure yeah, you've it's... got plenty to cover. <laughs> uh, it's very relevant because like I, I remember having an Xbox 360 and having achievements be like a big deal. Mm. And then I remember having hearing, I don't know if it was after or before or when it dropped, but when PlayStation released trophies, it was it felt so much like a Pokemon Digimon sort of dichotomy. It was like, mm. oh, this is you know this is the Digimon to um, the Xbox 360's Pokemon. <laughs> you know, yeah, it felt like such a copy, uh, and it didn't even have a score. And it was just like, oh, what's the point? You don't have a score. That's that's so funny because like yeah. I I got into the Sony side of things first when I went mm. to Xbox. I was like. It's just numbers. Like you yeah. don't even, you can't even tell how many games you've a hundred percented. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. It was, it was odd though. Cause every now and then you'd like see, you'd bump into someone on a game online and they literally put their gamer score next to their name. Like that was how it was, it was pitched. And so right. like you'd see their click on their profile to add them as a friend. You see their game score and they'd be like, well, they got 30 million or whatever. And it's like, wow, <laughs> you played a lot of games. Yeah. It was, it was a whole, a whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so the API, API for SteamWorks came out and it was a pretty big deal. Uh, modding was also a big deal, obviously, with um, Steam having built, you know, Counter-Strike was a mod from Half-Life. So, yeah, like, yeah. their whole thing was like, well, how do we support modders? How do we get the modding community popping on Steam? And so they added Steam Workshop, um, and that was a way for modders to host their mods on the platform itself for various games, as well as have the community sort of, you know, say which ones that they really like and... It, you know, you can sell stuff on there. You can make money on uh, Steam Workshop. People make money selling mods. Yeah, and and having it like part of the service is so good because yeah. like I remember really getting into Amnesia, and yeah. just having all of the mods there like as part of the service that you play the game on made it so easy. I remember totally. like some other game that I was interested in in mods for. I cannot remember what the game was, but. It, it, that that kind of shows, you know, I spent more time trying to get the mods to work than playing the game, and I can't even remember what the game was. <laughs> yep, yep, totally. Yeah, I, I remember even Minecraft, like, to get mods happening in Minecraft, you have to, like, have a launch, like, a specific type of launcher, and there's all kinds of, like, different ones out there now these days, and mm. it's not, it's not like, a simple thing. Mm. Um, yeah, compared to other games where it's just, like, there's literally, like, a mod section in the menu or on the Steam yeah. page, and you just, like, find what you want. Yeah, that's sick. Uh, yeah mods i think mods need to make a comeback it, these days it, it feels like modding is so like passe like it's not around anymore you mm. don't really see uh, most modern games come out and it's like that's the game there's no modification yeah so not allowed yeah i mean you're totally right because especially like when games have that story focus like mm. god of war or even like skyrim you know the mods you see for skyrim they just like make the dragons thomas the tank engine or some shit like it's <laughs> it's it's not like half-life to counter-strike <laughs> you yeah. know it's not well, that creative i i will push back a little bit there because there's like people who've made entire like farming game simulators out of skyrim so like, oh you play really skyrim and you play yeah it turns into a farming game yeah oh so, that's sick know. oh that's and, sick i didn't know that yeah. So the, the, I think it is really like if God of War had allowed for mods, you could do some pretty cool stuff. But it's again, it's like a lot of the time these devs really want to tie down the vision for their game and they don't want it to be like an ecosystem where like, you know, a bunch of stuff offshoots from it. It's like this is our property and we only have things that we want uh, yeah. associated with this property. Yeah, which is no. fair, but also not hampers community creativity a bit totally and look great point i retract my statement now that you've said that like how sick would it be if someone just poured their heart and soul into god of Warcart and like yeah, you know yeah, they dude. used all the mountain assets and you know yeah. all the character assets and they just built a kart racer like yes so you're right up. that's sick yeah. that'd be awesome yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Steam Workshop was the thing they added. And then in 2012, they added Steam Greenlight. And this is a bit of a contentious one. Like if you've ever listened to um, Jim Stephanie Sterling, 
Steam Greenlight has be- kind of became a bit of a cesspool there for a while of asset flips, you know, uh, totally. tutorial games. Yeah, it's, it's, it was a bit of a time. Um, yeah, I, I only know about it because of, of James Defster um, mm. and the videos they had up. Like, they'd have a weekly video on Steam yeah. Greenlight, like, what was the shittest game of the week. Yeah. <laughs> and they were just atrocious. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, the whole point of it though, it had, it had reasonably good intentions. It was to allow community devs and smaller devs, indie devs to publish to the platform and have users vote on their favorite thing. Right. Mm. So it was like similar to the way that valve apparently operates internally is they don't really have a core set of devs. They have like pods, they call them. Um, and Mm -hmm. so people in the, in the company have to have a certain number of people to start a pod. But then once the, the, the pod gets going and starts making a game, anyone else from anywhere else in the company can join that pod to continue working on that game. Wow. So it becomes sort of like a, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like an amoeba eats, the biggest biggest and best amoeba eats the rest of the games. The best yeah. One yeah. That's, that's kind of cool though, because it sounds like, I mean, I'm sure there's all kind of bureaucratic bullshit there, but it, yeah. it sounds like the intention is like creativity wins out. Like if yes, someone... idea wins yeah like when someone has a great idea and they put a pod together and you hear about it you can be like that this is the future and you go and like that's that's awesome i wish other workplaces were like that or at least had that (laughs) intention yeah yeah i'm sure there's like all sorts of like you say bureaucracies and complexities that come Mm. with like you can't leave a certain pod once you join it for x amount of time or whatever but yeah 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 um it would be it's a very odd way to make a video game um but i like i like that it's there Mm. that's cool um so yeah steam Steam greenlight was a bit of a mixed success and failure story um it's since been replaced by a service called steam direct and i don't know what that looks like i haven't looked into it it's probably similar yeah okay haven't even heard of it to be honest yep apparently 145 games were approved through stream steam greenlight so some games got released um and the idea as well is that if it did get approved steam oh sorry valve would jump in and help bring the game to life i don't know in what capacity through funding or extra resources i'm not sure oh wow see the intention there is so good but yeah Mm. just ended up being a bunch of like copy and paste asset flipped pieces of crap that was a shooter survivalist crappy crap crap yeah i I think it's kind of interesting because it kind of came a bit late you know like if it came a bit earlier when like you couldn't just download a ue4 or ue3 or whatever it was at the time or unity Mm. and just like smash together like if online stores for assets weren't around, you know, like I feel like you would have a pretty ripe, it would be way smaller, like the community of people making games, but you would have like a bit more, it takes more effort to make a game, right? And so totally. the stuff that gets put in might be a little bit more curated. Um, yeah, totally. Um, and so that's all I've got about Steam, you know, like Steam Greenlight and the next Steam Direct kind of is where I left it. Um, I think it's really cool to see like the history of Valve, you know, sort of shine through in a bunch of stuff they did with Steam. Yeah. And like, yeah, it being kind of one of the most popular launches, they call them, for video games these days is all it's just like um testament to the their history and, and pedigree, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that and I, I feel like there'd be like a lot of parallels between the Steam store and like all of the other stores that we haven't spoken of. Like, I mean, I think there'd be some kind of like intrinsic relationship between the Steam store and Microsoft. Like, Mm. you know, they'd, they'd be connected through the Windows platform. And I think as Steam like added more and more things, like I I obviously not knowing this, but I just feel like they might've paved the way um, for kind of store faces in general on digital platforms. They definitely paved the way and then they also made some really smart choices um, along the way that helped them sort of secure their foothold there for as long as they've had it. Mm. Um, Epic has been one to come along that has like tried to disrupt them a little bit. Um, mm. So there's been a few games that have been funded by Epic that are Epic exclusives for the first year of their release or six months of their release. Right. And so you need the Epic Store launcher to be able to play the game. Yeah, well, 
it's 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 funny, right? Because we talked about that like Tomb Raider deal a couple of eps back, where Microsoft paid whatever it was a hundred million for for Tomb Raider yeah. for a year, and I just feel like with the amount of video games in the market at the moment, and the amount of high quality video games, like it's it it ain't like it used to be. You know, there's a lot of mm. shit games every month, but there are also quite a few good games, and it it just feels like exclusivity doesn't matter that much you know it's just like oh no i can't play that game for six months but you know i've just i've got six months of releases on all the other platforms i own i'm just gonna wait like it doesn't uh, yeah i I get that it's incentive to try and get people to the the epic store or whatever but it just uh, i don't think it's going to be as powerful an incentive as maybe it once was Totally. I mean, Epic is also coming at it from multiple angles, as you would expect, expect the you know multi-billion-dollar company to do. Mm. So there's there's free games. There's like three free games every month on Epic. Oh, okay. Um, go and have a look at what they are right now. There it, it... is Idle Champions. Um, there's Wonder Boy, and that's the that's oh, two free games every month. Never mind. Right. Is that common for like PC? What is that a subscription service? No, it's free. You just you don't have to do anything. You just get games. What the fuck? Yeah, that's what Epic are coming at this with. Um, right, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, I look at my uh, Epic library, and most of the stuff in here I didn't pay for. So there's like um, Moonlighter, Metro Twenty Thirty Three, Layers of Fear. Oh um, shit. You can you can uh, go go ahead and delete Metro twenty thirty three. No Metro Metro twenty three. Yeah, sorry Metro. That's uh, uh, that's a game that everyone I... talks up. It's it's not good. It's okay. it's like it's original, but it's kind of just above an asset flip, and yep. like I'm ready to cop heat for that, but I I hate finished those games back in the day, and they weren't that great. Yep, I see. I see. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the the, uh, the epic store is kind of interesting um it's a lot less uh, what would you call it navigatable than steam um mm. but it's also i think purposefully kind of not super navigatable because they want to funnel people towards specific stuff oh, I see. Um, a little yep. bit more actively um and also they have unreal engine there's like a tab on the left it's like store library and unreal engine so you can go to the store and see what's you know what games you can buy you can look at your library of games and then directly beneath that is just a button that will like launch, not launch, but it will show you Unreal Engine and sort of say, here's what's going on, here's what you can learn, and then you press a button and it launches the engine. That's like wow. pretty cool. Yeah, that's very so, cool. Yeah, getting getting those devs in, uh, sort of young, <laughs> young and fresh. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Uh, Get them. Uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're running out of time, but I do have one quick little bit of extra history here. All right. Hit me with one last spec before we get into listener um, mail. Yeah. Yeah. So this is regarding, I didn't realize how long steam would take. I tried to fly through it. Um, <laughs> this is a little bit of history on the Xbox live marketplace. All right. Give me, give me the dot points. I'll shut up. <laughs> no, please jump in. Jump in. If we go over time. I don't care. Um, Sega Dreamcast. Um, <laughs> this is where it begins. Whoa, Jesus. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember. Did you ever play a Sega Dreamcast? I think I saw a picture of one once. <laughs> yeah, pretty much yeah, the same. I, yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the, the Dreamcast actually came with Windows CE technology. Um, and so oh this was, m- yeah, this was Microsoft teaming up with Sega um and to enable them to do online stuff so you could browse the internet you could watch online tv there was like all of this stuff that they kind of promised to have with the sega that never really was fully devved and never really properly released right um so they actually went behind sega's back and teamed and teamed up actually didn't team up they they dreamt up the xbox so while they were supposed to be making you know online services for dreamcast they were like "Uh, we're just gonna make our own little little thing for the oh, Xbox. I love that. I love yeah. that. A bit of drama. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, maybe they saw the writing on the wall with the Dreamcast after the first initial sales or whatever, but Dreamcast, you know, has had its had its uh, issues with launching mm. yeah, like game library and all sorts of uh, topic for another time. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
So in 2001, the first Xbox came out and it didn't really have an online marketplace. Um, mm -hmm. There was an online service for friends, but there was no market. Mm -hmm. um, then the Xbox 360 came out uh, four years later and it went absolutely gangbusters. They sold 900,000 units in North America in the first whatever it was period of time. Mm -hmm. uh, wasn't very popular in Japan. It didn't really matter. The Xbox Live marketplace was introduced introduced and it had the blades do you remember the blades the blades no i don't know this so the U the ui on the xbox 360 was sort of like these blades that you would slide back and forth left and right and the, it was just tabs basically but oh uh, yeah rounded yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean dude the ui might have changed i feel like it did yeah by the time I, I got to it i don't think the blades were there yeah it was more like centralized and like more like horizontal bars instead of the vertical blades anyway um, the Xbox Live Arcade branding encompassed digital-only games that can be purchased from the Xbox Store and only available on 360, including classic games and new original titles. Mm. So they were they were doing a little bit of like porting of old classics, like old, I'm guessing Xbox games mm -hmm. and uh, new original games. Um, uh, Far let, me out. See let me see. And they and they saw a lot of success there, right? Like I remember. You know, those classic Xbox Live Arcade games that eventually would see physical releases because they sold so well, like Limbo and Braid and yep. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not really in the history here, which I found kind of disappointing in my research, but I would have really loved to have seen, like, you know, the dawn of the Xbox Live marketplace and, like, what came out on it, you know? Like, yeah. what was the initial set of offerings? Like, what, what could you buy? Totally. Um uh, yeah, I, I remember like World of Goo, and I remember Braid <laughs> and Limbo specifically. Right, right. But um, but I'm sure there was other stuff on there. Yeah. Um, you could submit to the Xbox Live marketplace. Like you had to actually, you know, have a proper submission. Submission, and they would judge uh, via peer review system whether or not the content was appropriate and you know the right level before they put it online. And cool. so. I think that sort of really spoke, especially to the beginning days, like of those indies, you know, like very, really high quality stuff that was making it on there. Nothing else mm, yeah. uh, was, was getting up apart from, you know, the AAA releases. Yeah. Um, one of the problems though, with the Xbox live marketplace and Xbox in general was the digital light, digital rights management for the content was tied to not only a specific user, but to a specific console. Oh, so, so you like... couldn't like buy a new console and and get all your online stuff. You had to do, you had to like make a second user and transfer your stuff to the new user. It was very complicated and weird. Whoa, that's super weird. Yeah. Um, here's a little bit of subterfuge for you. I felt like this was probably <laughs> one of the more interesting things apart from the, the dream <laughs> Dreamcast. Cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in 2017, uh, a contractor was hired by Microsoft by the name of Vladimir uh, Kushkak. Um, play on. He was part of the. Sorry. So play on. Play <laughs> good, on. <laughs> good, good. Play on. Good crack at the name. We'll continue. <laughs> We're gonna call him uh, Vlad K. Uh, <laughs> Vlad K. Yep. Oh, sorry. Volod. Volodmir. I can't pronounce this name. I'm so white. <laughs> uh, he was part of the team to test Microsoft's e-commerce websites, which included purchasing Microsoft gift cards. Right. You remember, like, you could go to the store and get gift cards for people. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um. Mr. K found that in the test scenarios, he was being given legitimate Microsoft Xbox gift card codes. Oh my so like, God. Yeah. So he began quietly collecting these codes and later sold them to others. Um, by the time he was caught by federal agents, he had obtained over $10 million in value from Xbox gift, Xbox gift cards. What? Uh, yes. Ten... And sold $10 what million. Dollars. The <laughs> fuck? That is crazy. I was expecting like... $25,000, $10 no, That is 10 so million. many codes, dude. Like, how it's... many codes are they giving this dude? I don't know how they didn't notice beforehand. <laughs> like, they just must have been hemorrhaging money and just been like, yeah, it's, I guess we just have that much loss this year, you know? Like, that's oh, we make, con make these consoles at a loss. Anyway. Fuck. Um, so, and then he sold about half of the value of these gift cards for Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, so my. he, if he, anyway, I'll go on, um, uh, he, from which he purchased an expensive house and a car. So he, he was living the life with his Bitcoins and his house and his car and his gift cards. Oh my God. Um, Microsoft had discovered the large use of these gift cards and eventually traced it to an internal source. 
leading them and federal agents, Mr. K, who was convicted and found guilty of 18 felonies in 2020. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> wow. That's, so, that's yeah. wild. That's wild. Yeah. Dude, again, another kind of, like, Oscar-worthy little short film in there. Like, you yeah, know, we yeah. had, like, the roller coaster of the sp- history of speed running and now with like i love this kind of late entry for the online store in the xbox marketplace <laughs> like that's yeah. wild that is just can you imagine doing that can you imagine just like you know working for a company as big as microsoft only five years ago and being like yeah i'm gonna embezzle 10 million dollars <laughs> like that's some that's yeah. some serious shit yeah yeah i i also love that he was just like you know Basically, he was given, like, a pencil pusher job, you know, like, test these gift cards, uh, um, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. That's like, it's great. such a, like, large corporation problem where you've got, like, we have this huge set of, you know, um, new functionalities in our in our e-commerce, um, and now we need to start testing them. And so, oh, who are we going to hire? We'll just get this guy as a contractor. It'll be fine. Little did oh. they know. <laughs> oh my god, that's so yeah. fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, there's more here about the Wii Shopping Channel, but we already talked a little bit about it, so I'm going to leave it. Um, I, I, the one thing that I will say, though, about the Wii Shopping Channel that I, that I think is kind of prescient to last week's episode about uh, ports and remakes, remasters, uh-huh. yep. is is they have the virtual console, which you're actually still playing with on the on the Switch. Yeah. Um, and it's fantastic, right? Like, you can play all these old games. Oh, it's... Uh, yeah, it, I mean, yeah. like you say, it's it's amazing. There's a huge library and maybe the best feature that they've added is because, you know, it's an emulation. They allow you to go back in time whenever you want. So, yeah. like, you can just go back three minutes in time of gameplay. Um, and that's like, you know, when you're playing an ancient shitty game like Super Metroid and you've gone the wrong way for the umpteenth time and you just <laughs> want to backtrack by hitting the rewind button, that made it a lot easier to deal with. Yeah, or maybe you've got like heaps of lives in Donkey Kong Country too, and you want to like preserve this moment so you can go back to it. Mm, totally, totally. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, very good, and I wish other consoles did the same thing as yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. Can give Nintendo a lot of guff. Uh, I just wanted to give them a little shout out for, even though they don't have all the games on there or all the consoles or whatever, it's it's still a valiant effort of um of of, of doing something really cool. Yeah, it's something. And like, yeah. I feel like the footnotes here is like more emulations and more mods. That's that's what we want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give us more virtual consoles, more emulations, and and yeah, open the open these pit up to allow the modders in, please. Hell yeah! If you want to school us on any emulation or modification um, stuff, you can email us at it's almost the weekend pod at gmail.com just like Jim has, Superfan Jim is back uh, with all capital letters SHAME as the subject line. Oh. He begins, Dear Daz and Joe, aka Anime Boy 69, uh, <laughs> once again, It's Almost the Weekend has arrived just in time, reminding me to hold my breath in anticipation of that sweet Saturday morning feeling of scrolling through my huge library of unplayed games. I believe it was Shakespeare that first said the greatest irony of adulthood is that once you can afford to buy video games, you can no longer afford to play them. Mm, um, he did say that, yes. Yeah, yeah, we, we were all there. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if either of you have a pile of shame, and if so, what games are in it? So, Jim, before I go on, we, uh, we've actually talked through our pile of shame already. If you yeah. uh, flip the pages back to episode five winning um about 30 minutes in uh we ditch the main topic and start talking about our piles of shame and i would just like to remind you that i didn't have a pile of shame i just had a pile of video games not worth playing um but (laughs) that's right but all the same we did talk about it in that uh in that episode but he yeah. goes on to clarify by pile of shame i'm not referring to the dozens of hentai puzzle games on joe switch i'm mm. talking about games that you've never uh that you've bought but never finished old or new 
Um, so for me, the first ones that come to mind are every 3D GTA game, not missing much there. Uh, Skyward Sword, also not missing much. And Bioshock. It's, I mean, you, you tell me, Joe, but is it too late to play yeah. Bioshock? It's too late, isn't it? I would say it is, yeah. I think they've done, uh, they did like a port or something where they updated the textures and made them not take 10 minutes to load in when you look at them. Um, <laughs> literally, it's so bad in that game. It, I Yeah, I, I loved Bioshock. It was my number one game of all time for quite a period of time there, but mm-hmm. it's definitely aged um, fairly severely and um, it's still worth playing, but I, I wouldn't say you're missing out on much. Mm, yeah, it's... It, it definitely feels like the kind of game that was just ahead of its time when it came yeah, out. Yeah, totally. Um, yep. But now it's behind the times. <laughs> like, it's yeah. it hasn't stayed fresh. No, yeah, it hasn't stayed fresh at all. Um, there's heaps of other games that, that are first-person shooters with powers that you could, you could play instead. Or even, like, Control or whatever kind of does a lot of what Bioshock did better. Uh, right. But, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. He That's says... Bad about this. <laughs> yeah, he says, make this answer count as I'm still starving after Joe came home with no three-piece feed the other week. <laughs> um, but I like hats off to the uh, the speedrunning rundown. I did thoroughly enjoy that. Oh, which he says, thanks for the recent in-depth education on speedrunning too. Looking mm-hmm. forward to when someone figures out how to clip through the weekdays and land me straight to Friday afternoon when it's almost the weekend again. Uh, extremely Love, good. Jim. So good to hear from you, dude. You know, if this is just like canonical for us where it's just me and you releasing a podcast that only Jim listens to, I'm down. <laughs> like, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm down to just do that uh, until it's not possible for whatever reason for us to do that anymore yeah yeah um so before we sign off uh i have something for us speaking of one person listening to this there is more than one person but <laughs> I, would, I would love if more people listen to this all and, right um continuing on from last week's episode where i said i was going to give away some things oh yeah you've got the you've got the stuff yeah so the secret code word <laughs> oh my god <laughs> is proliferation <laughs> so what you need to do dear listener is email us at it's almost the weekend pod at gmail.com and say the code word i'll say it again for you right here proliferation mm-hmm. and tell us a topic that you want us to talk about mm-hmm. and say which of the two figurines you would rather uh the atreus or the um, kratos signed by the entire sony dev team um, I can't guarantee that you'll get the one that you want. It's just going to be whoever hits the send button first uh, will get priority, and then the other one won't get it. Um, they'll just get the other one. So, Huge. yeah. That's sick. Hit, hit us up in the emails and uh, and send us that stuff, and you will, you'll be in the good. You're in a chance to win. I'll do the uh, draw in a couple of weeks' time. Love it. Love to hear it. I'll also do a tweet about this. Hell yeah. Anyway, that's it. <laughs> That's all I got for you. Yeah. All right. Well, you've had so much. I've enjoyed it very much. I hope, uh, I hope you and everyone listening has a really lovely weekend and we'll see you next time. It's almost the weekend again. Yeah. Bye. Bye.